Hello and welcome to Royals Review Radio. I'm your host, Jacob Milham, and joining me, it's been a while, but we are back. It's the one and only Jeremy Greco. Jeremy, how you doing tonight, sir? I mean, I'm not as good as Ann Rogers, but I'm Oof. pretty good. She is she has been something else with the articles lately. They have been fire. Yes. She is she is hitting home runs, you know, pun intended. <laughs> everything everything is good information good writing i'm really looking forward to what she puts out once the season starts um because i i hate to say it she's our she's our only source of news really right now coming but, from the royals you know we're i still think we're fortunate because we do have her and she's she's writing some great stuff that she um, is you know it, it used to be that there was only the star and only the one beat writer and, and we all survived and walked uphill both ways and et cetera, <laughs> et cetera. so i think we'll survive this era too as long as we got good writers like ann exactly she is weathering us through the storm but please go check out her work on mlb.com and also sign up for a newsletter you know yeah, she's it's she's good, got some it's good stuff it is it, it is really really good stuff and I would love to pick her brain someday. But if you want to pick our brain over at Royals Review, please tune in Thursday night, February 23rd at 6 p.m. Central. Um, we will be doing a Facebook Live video and we'll be answering your questions, getting everyone ready for spring training, which, Jeremy, it is it is happening this week. We will see competitive, quote unquote, competitive <laughs> baseball again from Royals players. Are you excited? I am. Yes, actually, I'm surprised, what? but I am. <laughs> I spent yeah, this whole I, I offseason, you know, pretty, pretty unhappy. I think I think I've made that clear, but uh, I'm, I'm getting getting excited all over again. Heck yeah. Sounds like a plan to me. I will, I will agree with you. I was, and I'm still somewhat pessimistic, but once that calendar hit February, I was like, all right, baseball's almost here. Let's, let's kick it into gear. And I'm, I'm pretty excited. You know, they're going up against the Rangers. It might be a really rough game, but it's still <laughs> a game at the end of the day. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yes, before we get too deep into today's episode, do want to remind everyone listening out there that this Friday at 2.05 Kaufman Standard Time, <laughs> the Kansas City Royals will be opening up their spring training game slate against the Texas Rangers, the big spenders over the past two off seasons, and especially with Jacob deGrom this offseason, um, some Who folks is call already them. hurt. I know, I know. It is the Rangers. They they pay money and they can't catch a break. So I, I don't know what uh, I don't know what you want to say to the folks out there wanting a bigger payroll because honestly, the Rangers are looking pretty rough despite spending a whole lot of money right now. Um, I I will say this though, they are plus forty five hundred odds to. Uh, to win the World Series, do you want to guess the Royals' odds of winning the World Series right now? Uh, plus twenty five thousand. Oh, close! Plus twenty thousand. Ah. So you are. Uh, so the the bookies aren't as uh, pessimistic as you are, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, that game this Friday will be. It won't be on television, not even on Bally's, but you can listen to the game on six ten a.m there in Kansas city. So I'll be tuning into that for sure. And, you know, I've heard some, 
from some fans. They're going down to Surprise Stadium. They're they're going to make a, a long weekend out of it, make that drive. So power to you if you can. I think I saw tickets as cheap as six bucks the other day. Like it's, I know it's spring training, but it'd be pretty cool to go to the spring training opener, right? Sure. And baseball is um, baseball. I mean, yeah. the, all, these guys are all professionals, even the minor leaguers. So there's there's a certain quality that you're going to see there that you, you're going to see if you go down to your local park and try and watch some little leaguers play or something. <laughs> that That is true. I will take spring training over um, coach pitch ball or something <laughs> like that. You know? <laughs> no no offense to, to little, little Timmy and Sally out there trying to start their careers, but uh, it's, it's rough watching at times. Um, let's see. There's, I mean, there's not a whole lot of news coming out of Arizona, but what news is coming out of Arizona is pretty bad for the Royals right now. Outfielder drew waters. He's already starting the season behind the eight ball. Um, Q said he's going to be out for six weeks, at least with a left oblique strain. I would bet um, the over on that for sure. Oh yeah, for for sure. And Jeremy, I don't I don't want to scare you off here, but the last couple of oblique strains have been pretty um, mm-hmm. significant for the Royals. You know, think of Jorge Soler and Alberto Mondesi, um, Taylor Clark. He was never the same guy after his oblique strain. So that is uh, that is not good news. And I, I'm a Waters truther. I really thought he was going to start opening day out in right field. Didn't did you as well? Uh, it seemed as good a choice as any to me. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, he's got the best glove probably of the center field candidates. Uh, and he looked the best at, at the plate too. So, yeah. um, it's a bummer, but the good news is that, uh, unlike, uh, when Mondesi and Soler got hurt, like the lineup is not hurting for yeah. waters. They've still got, uh, you know, Kyle Isbell can play center field. Um, I, I swear they've got another one or two guys. Eaton probably could play out there if he yeah. had to. Um, so they got some guys who can play center field. They're not even pretending to compete for anything. So there's no <laughs> reason to rush him back. Uh, so they should be able to, you know, just uh, take their time, uh, make sure they handle everything correctly and uh, and see what happens. Exactly. And let's let's be honest, if. We're both taking the over on his return timetable, but even if that return timetable was, you know, spot on six weeks to the day, he might miss two, three games, mm-hmm. maybe like he's thankfully we still have a while until opening day. So there is an outside chance that Drew Waters does see the field um, on opening day, but Q, he, he talked about specifically more opportunities for Nate Eaton Edward Olivares was another one. And then who surprised me was Samad Taylor. I know it's okay. Yeah. I, I know it's spring training, but I have never really penciled in Samad Taylor, you know, possibly Whoa. getting some outfield work. Yeah. That's that just was very, very surprising. To it me. makes, it makes a kind of sense to me because they, he probably is the kind of guy who's going to survive in the big leagues as a, as a utility player. And so. so if he can show that he's got some value for as a center field defender, then he's going to want to do that. That is true. That is true. And one more note, the other big injury news coming out of Arizona was outfielder Brewer Hicklin who <sighs> did see some action for the major league club last year. Um, his big, I guess, 
you know, claim to fame last year was he hit 28 home runs and stole 35 bases for Omaha. Like he was, he was really good in at the triple a level, uh, but he is out right now eight weeks with a right elbow strain, according to Ann Rogers. So um, the outfield is kind of limping into spring training right now, but that has to uh, be good news to Edward Olivares. And then of course the newly signed Fran Meal Reyes, right? Yeah. Um, and, and this is, this is their, oppor- this is their opportunity to see, to show what they could do and to kind of steal a spot. Um, I, I drew waters. I think, uh, as we discussed was, was really kind of penciled in as a starter. Um, but, uh, Brewer Hicklin was going to be in a competition with everybody else. Um, I was excited to see what he could do. Uh, I hear that there's some, some scouts in Kansas city that are really high on him. I was a little bit disappointed at how little playing time he got last year for the big league yeah. club. I thought, you know, a guy who can hit that many home runs and steal that many bases in Omaha should get a better shot. Um, and I was hoping to see him get it early this year, but you know, uh, again, eight weeks, that's not an entire season. It's a long baseball season. Uh, he'll is. have plenty of time to make his mark later. That he will, that he will. And I, I would pencil him in as kind of the next man up. Mm-hmm. If, if he starts out the season in Omaha, you know, if, uh, if all goes down, you know, he hasn't been super healthy as of late. Um, Kyle Isbell, maybe, maybe something happens to MJ Melendez. I could see Brewer Hickman kind of beating the, the next fourth outfielder up for the Kansas city Royals. But um, we're, you know, those two go down. We're going to see more opportunities from some of these, uh, from some of these minor league, you know, non 40 man roster invites to spring training. So I, I am looking forward to to that. I, I will say. Yeah. The spring training is always a good time to, to, to start to look ahead um, and see, you know, who, who should be on your radar in the near future. And uh, that's never going to be more true than this year when there there's barely any veteran presence on the major league roster. Uh, so there's plenty of opportunity for turnover. If guys are, are hitting slow or getting hurt, there's going to be lots of opportunities for guys to come up and, and you want to make a good showing in spring training. And hopefully that's what we're going to see. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. And if you want to keep tabs on who could be that next person up out of the minor league system, please go check out RoyalsReview.com. A lot of good news analysis and insight coming out from the team over there. And then also check out Royals review on Twitter and on Facebook. You know, we're kind of your one-stop shop on social media for all things, Kansas city Royals. Um, Jeremy, before we go ahead and go into the ad break here, I do want to ask you just yes or no. Do you think that Royals fans expectations are too high for these new pitching coaches? Uh, I'm going to say no, no. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Hey, if you want to hear our thoughts on it, please stay tuned through this ad break. And we are back on Royals Review Radio. Jake Milham here with Jeremy Greco, the bearded wonder. <laughs> All right, Jeremy. So we were we were talking before the show about you know what what we really wanted to dive into ahead of spring training, and you were you were quick quick to the the gun. You wanted to talk about some of the stuff we're hearing about these new pitching coaches, and I know I know personally I have high expectations for the immediate impact that we will see with these new coaches. 
But could you detail a little bit more, like what's the importance of them? What are you expecting from everyone? So the the there's there's a little there's there's a lot going on, honestly. So they've got a new bullpen co- or a new pitching coach, a new bullpen coach, and a new assistant pitching coach. Uh, not to mention a new manager and a new bench coach who are going to have some input there as well. Um, and the thing that uh, one of the things I really like is is the words that they're using when they talk about what it is they're going to do. They talk about communicating. They talk about meeting guys where they're at. They talk about improving pitch shape. And they talk about, uh, you know, they talk about basically analytical things that we have, that we've kind of addressed at Royals review and, mm-hmm. and worried that the Royals were not as concerned about as they should be. You know, Cal Eldred might say, well, we got to throw more strikes. Okay. Well, what does that look like? You know, how do you do that? And what we see with the Royals talking about now is they're, they're, they're talking about raiding the zone and throwing more strikes. And then as we get the reporting from uh, Ann Rogers, who I want to shout out again, because just fantastic work she's been doing. Um, what we're seeing is that they're talking about doing things like uh, Tampa Bay has a habit of having their catchers just uh, put their mitt in the middle of the strike zone and saying, aim for this. Your movement is going to prevent them from hitting it. It's not going to end up down the middle. Um, and and that sounds good to me for a team that has some guys who are known for lots of really good stuff and no strikes. Um, it sounds like a really good plan. And I saw uh, David Lesky, I believe, had a newsletter a few days, maybe a week ago, uh, where he took some screenshots from right before Chris Bubich pitches. Uh, there were first pitches of at-bats. Where was Salvi lined up uh, to receive those balls? He was out of the strike zone. And, of course, that's not all of them. But why are you ever setting up outside of the strike zone on the first pitch? Yep. That, that doesn't make sense. Um, you know, setting up on the edge makes sense, maybe, but he was he was clearly outside of the strike zone. So uh, I really like this idea, this focus of we need to throw more strikes and here's how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also talked in the past. The other big thing that I'm excited about, uh, I've talked in the past about how analytics can help the team and in, in, in that we saw how it helped Brady Singer last season where they used the cameras to find, oh, he's shifted his release point on his fastball and it's not as effective now. Get his release point back, get his fastball back. And that's what they did. And it was very effective. Um, and we've already got stories out of spring training where they're doing something similar with uh, uh, Daniel Lynch, where they yep. they took the camera angles and they said, hey, you know, your curveball's not as effective as it seems like it should be. What's up with that? Oh, hey, the camera says your finger's coming off the ball sooner than it should be. So fix that. And mm-hmm. and there's just, I feel like we've gone from this era of throw more strikes, throw better pitches to we're going to throw more strikes. Here's how. We're going to throw better pitches. Here's how. Um, and that if plan. you're getting all that, I can only imagine the players are getting it 10 times more of the, how are you going to be better? And, and that's what excites me. And that's why I say that I, I really hope that fans are not over optimistic on the, the major league coaching, because I am super optimistic about <laughs> what they're going to be able to do when they're delivering messages. Like here's how we're going to improve. Well, I saw it and I will say this, they already have a slogan coming out yeah. about the pitching cord. You you remember that slogan? Yeah, it's uh, Raid the Zone. Raid the Zone. And Those I will say that sick looking t-shirts, man. Yeah. The, hey, they the season hasn't even started yet and they already got that on a t-shirt. They already got it designed up. 
you know, this is a very serious focus of these pitching coaches. And it's not, it's not all Sweeney. It's not all the top guy. You know, you're hearing about how Bove is bringing a mm-hmm. new set of eyes to things. And it's, I I don't know. I'm, it's great to hear. It really is, Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love the way the coaches are talking about each other. Like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I'm I'm maybe a little bit better at this thing, but he's a little bit better at that thing. And so between the two of us, we'll get where the pitchers need us to be. Um, you know, it's just like tag team these issues, figure out who's best for the job and get it done. Instead yep. of saying, well, uh, you know, Cal Eldred is my good friend. And uh, I really like him a lot, so I'm going to just keep hoping he's going to figure something out. <laughs> hey, and that's we, – we heard that so much last season and even uh, the season beforehand. So it, it it only feeds the optimism more to have this, this fresh and very – I would call it professional baseball take and setting expectations very high for these pitching coaches. And Jeremy, I'll, I'll go ahead and and take the first one. But I do want to get your take here in a little bit of who you think is going to benefit the most from these pitching coaches. And I will I'll go out on a limb and I'll say Jonathan Heasley. Yeah, um, it's a good choice. I think he is. I think you see a lot of that raw talent and some of that skill that does need to be honed. And he he really got fast tracked to mm-hmm. the major league level. So and it's and you know I can go on a whole rant about like how maybe these pitchers are getting affected by the lost 2020 season. You know mm. some of these guys jumped from single A ball to triple A in one in one season. Yeah, but Jonathan Heasley he he did get fast tracked up to Kansas City, and I don't know if he's really had a truly fair shake in the in the rotation or being a contributor and we all know that last year's coaching staff didn't help the situation at all it seemed like we would have these guys go back down to the minor league system they would do great and then they would do okay when they returned and then like two or three games later they were bad again so you knew it was something at the major league level that was causing these issues and heasley was a a great example of that. So I, you know, the fastball has looked electric so far this spring training and he he looks very fluid. I've heard a lot of good things about him down in Arizona so far. I'm very excited to see him pitch. But Jeremy, who who's another pitcher that you would think would benefit the most? Real quick, I just want to I want to add to that point you were making okay. about the minor leaguers coming up and yeah. our guys coming from the minor leagues and struggling at the big league level. And I think that that's another thing that the coaches have talked about, which is consistency of message. Mm. Um, And I think, you know, if guys go to the minors and they work on something, I don't think we're going to see that come up again this year. I think because the messaging is going to be consistent, you're going to have guys work on something in the minors and then they're going to come back up to the big leagues and they're going to keep doing the same thing because that messaging will be consistent. And that's hugely, hugely important. And I, I really have to believe that it was not there before because of how much they've talked about it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just kind of read between the lines there, but as for me, uh, as far as pitcher, I think is, could really benefit from this. Um, I'm it's two guys really for me, um, is Daniel Lynch. Cause the stuff is just nasty and it, it just wasn't, wasn't doing anything. And then, um, Chris Bubich, 
because and I, Chris Bubich is my guy, right? I got to <laughs> yeah, he is. He, uh, he, he's such a cerebral kind of pitcher. And I feel like that probably clashed very badly with Cal Eldred's style of coaching. Um, And I think he's going to, he's going to thrive a lot more under this more analytics, more questioning, more looking for answers kind of uh, approach that we're getting from the the new coaching staff. Yeah, for sure. And it is, I want to pivot back to what you were talking about kind of the coaches, I wouldn't say staying in their own lane, but they're recognizing what the other brings mm-hmm. to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and showing teamwork and not being threatened by it, it. Exactly, exactly. Because I can't I can't recall a time last year where, where we heard that from the pitching coaches specifically. Mm-hmm. We've, we've got three guys who are all, you know, one guy, he's he's focusing a little bit more on strategy and relating to the players. Sweeney, he's focusing more on the on the whole thing. I get focusing on the whole thing. He is <laughs> he's looking at at the bigger picture and more of game day stuff. And then Bove is he's known for leaning into the analytics. And Q said it best. They're going to use analytics like guardrails. They're not going to use them as, you know, word of law, but they're not going to ignore them either. You got to mm-hmm. stay between those guardrails. So I am. I'm very optimistic as a fan, but I'm also optimistic as a I, what what a baseball connoisseur, maybe <laughs> to to see how these pitchers look different. And I'm I'm not going to go April first and say, oh my gosh, Brady <laughs> Singer is he is here, he is him. But I think you know once late May, early June rolls around, we can look back on everyone's body work and say, okay, hey, this has really gotten better. Lynch's curveball, it's re- it's really working. Bubich looking like a different guy, and I think personally, I think no one would have a better kind of come up story than Chris Bubich among mm-hmm. all these pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, he has definitely not gotten a good uh, shake from Royals fans and 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 I always pick my favorites just based on like who people are hating on (laughs) Mike Lustakis became my favorite because everyone was just tired of him in 2014 yeah they were like oh Mike he sucks get rid of him and I'm like okay well he's my favorite now um (laughs) and then he had the amazing turnaround and I'm like this feels really nice so I'm just gonna keep leaning into that um yeah I, one other thing I wanted to say uh, about Ben Bove is is a, the phrase that they use about him is is pitch shaping uh, and and improving pitch shape. And uh, our friend uh, Greg Walker likes to talk about how poor some of the Royals' pitch shapes have been. Yeah. And having a, a dedicated guy who's like, you know what? Let's let's make these better. Let's get some better yeah. pitch shapes in here. That's that's exciting. It is. It is very, very exciting. And I know that's going to be something that I watch very closely during spring training because I don't put a whole lot of stock into batting performances Mm -hmm. during spring. Mm -hmm. I am a little bit more interested in how things are going on the mound. Personally, I can't I I can't tell you how it is, why I think that way. I just do think that way. Jeremy, go ahead. One thing that uh, they've kind of figured out that does make sense that does matter in spring training is strikeout weight strikeout rates and walk rates like the home runs don't matter because 
the the environment is different. Yeah. But um, if you're striking out a lot, you're probably going to keep striking out. If you're walking a lot, you're probably going to keep walking. Um, and that goes point. both ways. Mm -hmm. So um, that's the, uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Don't like if you see somebody hitting like 10 home runs and you're like, oh, it's, it's it, it, he looks good. Well, he could be Ryan O'Hearn. Um, <laughs> Or Hunter Dozier. Or Hunter Dozier. Or uh, what, what was another guy that I used to love? Oh, what was his name? He was an outfielder. He had the beautiful hair. All, all I can think of is Ryan McBroom. No. Uh, I don't think that was 2016, him. he came up. Um, and he kept hitting home runs in spring uh, training. And they kept not drawing a blank. Uh, Eibner. Brett Eibner. Oh, man. I haven't heard of that name in a while. Yeah. I was like, I'm I'm all in on this dude. He hits the home runs in, in spring training. And it's like, mm, maybe that's not the criteria to use. No, not at all. But because if you he, look look at walk rates and look at strikeout rates, those, those can tell you a lot. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? Something I didn't even think about until you brought it up is it's a completely different environment down in Arizona than it might be in Kansas City mm -hmm. during this time of year. You know, you're going to come back to Kansas City still going to have that cold air there in Kaufman mm -hmm. balls aren't going to fly as far as they should. Things like that. Meanwhile, down in Arizona, it's a, it's a crisp, crisp 90 degrees and balls are just <laughs> flying out of the ballpark. Yep. Exactly. So it is uh that is something to, to keep in mind while you're watching or listening to spring training. Um, Jeremy, I do. I think we both are pretty negative about this whole Bally's situation. Honestly, yeah, um, I mean, as much as I pay attention to it at all. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? I wasn't even thinking about it that much. I knew that, hey, they things were pretty rocky. Things were looking pretty bad, yada, yada, yeah. yada. And then I see they start a sale that it's, whoa, we're going to charge five dollars less a month so you can watch Royals baseball. And I see that I'm like, well, you might not even be broadcasting Royals <laughs> baseball here in a little bit. So it is, um, Jeremy, I know we both haven't been keeping close tabs on this, but just from, from your perspective, like how is, is this just frustrating? Is this annoying? Like, how do you feel about it, man? I mean, it's gotta be hugely frustrating for the people of Kansas city. Bally's has been frustrating. I think yeah. for everybody, I know that, uh, my family down in Atlanta likes to watch the, the Braves games, or at least my grandma does. And she pitches, a fit if my family can't get them on the TV for her and they've had to do all <laughs> kinds of bizarre things to try and get mm -hmm. those games on TV for her. Um, and they live in Atlanta and, and they're willing to get pretty much any cable or satellite package, what streaming package. They'll do whatever they need to do because it's that important to them and they're yep. still having trouble with it. Um, so I know that Bally's has been a problem. I think this might be, uh, if, uh, if we're looking for silver linings, this might be, uh, let me mix my metaphors here, a dark darkest before the dawn kind of thing, yeah. um, yeah. where, you know, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Bally is, uh, we're going to have problems. They're, they're going bankrupt. They're doing all this stuff. It's going to be even harder to get your games. But I think the aftermath of this is going to lead to, uh, a new program that's going to have uh, fewer or no blackout restrictions, possibly broadcast by MLB itself. And mm -hmm. that, I think, could only benefit the sport in the long term. Unfortunately, it looks like we're going to have to go through uh, kind of this uh, rocky period before we're able to get there. 
For sure, for sure. And it's just for a little bit more background information for our listeners out there. So basically the people who own the Bally Sports Network, who Bally's, they have the the TV rights for 14 different MLB teams. So it's it's about half of all Major League Baseball is being affected by this. And their parent company skipped on a $140 million payment that is due to all these teams. And so they, they have a grace period. That grace period does end before opening day. But MLB individual teams, they're all just reassuring fans that still going to have some sort of coverage. But that is that's no easy undertaking. Like that is, you know, you have to replace equipment you have to replace processes it's it's gonna be a big big change it's a lot of personnel it is it's really easy to think oh it's just a couple guys in a tv booth no there's a producer there's there's camera gurus there there's the the in booth producer there's the 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 truck guys you know there's a lot of people that are involved in making a baseball broadcast happen and you got to have them all exactly but I do agree with you, Jeremy. I think that if MLB or individual teams for some reason do have to take over this process on their own, they will remove regional blackouts to some degree because personally, well, both of us, we're not really affected by the regional blackouts for the Kansas City Royals. We've, you know, we're not, we've been unabashed about that. And I do consider it a, a blessing for lack of better terms. Mm-hmm. There is no reason why fans in six different states should be blacked out from watching the Kansas City Royals. It's, you know, I've I, I saw a map a few years ago of like how far the blackout rules stretch for each individual team. And there's fingers that go down into, you know, Arizona and Colorado and things like that. Like those fans aren't driving to a to a game. No, it is. And and we've made our opinions known on blackouts before. Yeah, they're they're not good for anybody except for, I guess, the 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 broadcast uh, companies, which, you know, are are looking to go away. It looks like. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it is. um, But as we wrap up today's show, you had a review for me, Jeremy. I do. All right, we'll go ahead and fire away, my friend. Fire away. So a friend of mine uh, told me to watch this show, and I said, I don't know. This doesn't sound like my kind of thing. And he says, all right, let's watch the intro. Uh, we'll watch like the there's a there's a pre credits little bit, like five, six, ten minutes, maybe. Uh, and then the, the credits roll and uh, we'll watch that much. And then you can decide if you still don't want to watch it. Okay. I said, okay. And so we turned on Peacemaker on HBO (laughs) Max. Yes. Yes. And uh, we watched the the opening bit. And then we watched the the intro credits. And those credits sold me, man, more than anything. Uh, It's... Go look them up online if you if you haven't seen the show. Uh, they're just it's like this really incredibly awkward dance that the entire cast does to uh, "Do You Really Want to Taste It" by <laughs> Wigwam, I think is their na- the name of the band, something like that. Um, and it 
it's hilarious. And the show um, is, if you're, you don't do gore, I can understand why you might not want to watch it. It's a little gory. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do gore. I was able to, to get through it. Okay. So take that how you will. Um, but it's, it's really, despite the fact that it's about a bunch of people who are not nice people. I mean, it's a sequel to the suicide squad. Yeah. Um, so this, this is, these are not the, the nicest people you're ever going to meet any of them that are involved in this. Um, cause you got your, your criminals and you got your, uh, government employees who are willing to use criminals for their own ends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really charming somehow it anyway. Is. It is. And there's, there's some authenticity to the relationships and, and the character growth is just really interesting to behold. I really enjoyed that show. And I think, uh, like me, if, if you're on the fence at all and you have access to HBO max, go watch that intro. Um, and, and it'll give you a sense of the tone of what the show is going to feel like watching it. And if that feels okay to you, try it out. Uh, if you don't like it after that, then, you know, maybe you won't like it. Not everybody likes everything, but, uh, it's, I think it's, it's worth watching. It's worth, it's definitely worth existing. It's some of the better TV I've watched in a while. For sure. For sure. And, you know, I would not have pegged John Cena as the guy to uh, kind of carry no. a TV show. No, I was like, John Cena, ugh, come on. That can't be like, that can't <laughs> be good. And yet, and yet it works. It really, really does. Um, so, yeah, th- thank you for that, Jeremy. I, I ain't going to lie to you. I just started watching it yesterday um i was my wife and i we were driving back from florida to virginia and that's a long drive and i think i got like four episodes deep and it's it's pretty good so far so i will concur with your review this week now for for my own review um it's a little bit more of a shout out a la ann rogers but i do want to shout out aiden richmond um he is he's an asu student who is currently doing the Royals coverage for the Kansas city star during spring training. (laughs) Um, The, the star doesn't have anyone down there, but um, Aiden Richmond has been writing in, they've been publishing his stuff. And honestly, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Good It is him. Yeah. It's, you know what? It is a great opportunity for him. Um, I would be lying if I said I wasn't jealous, (laughs) but but i am i'm glad that he's putting out good stuff down there in the same vein in the same room as ann rogers so please um, go follow him on social media go check out his stuff on the kansas city star if you would like to but if you want more stuff from royals review from myself from jeremy um, you can check us out on royalsreview.com and then also i will be hosting the live video tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook. So that's you could... Thursday, February 23rd. Yes, yes. See, Jeremy, you were just talking earlier on about how uh, words are important to podcasting. <laughs> and uh, and my words are failing me right now. So You're good. I, I, do, uh, I do appreciate that. But yes, tomorrow, Thursday, February 23rd. At 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, we will be having our first Facebook Live video. Hope to see you there. But Jeremy, if folks want to keep the conversation going with you one-on-one, how can they reach out to you? Uh, you know, you can find me on Twitter. As always, I'm still there somehow. <laughs> somehow, uh, some way. 
H O K I U S Hakaius. Just uh, just hit me up. Tell me uh, which which of Chris Bubich's pitches is your favorite, and we'll be instant <laughs> friends. Exactly. Hey, that's uh, that's not a bad way to to start a friendship. Is talking about Chris Bubich for hours on end. <laughs> and again, you can find me on Twitter at jmillthaham. Um, I'm still there, still putting out my my bad takes. So take that for what you will. And please check out the Royals Review team on Twitter and on Facebook at Royals Review. Jeremy, thank you very, very much for joining me tonight, as always. And to all of our listeners out there, thank you very much for your support. And until next time, go Royals! <laughs>